Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Hey, I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the St. Jude kids. St. Jude's doing incredible work fighting childhood cancer. And because of donations, like the ones that you get, families never receive a bill ever from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, food, none of that. Help St. Jude stop childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope. Get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. It's going to look great on you. So join all the doctors, researchers, and me in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby. It's only six numbers to 785-833. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, 785-833. Episode 360 with Marcus Dowling who is a great, great writer, who is really on the scene in country music right now. He talks about the format, the genre, where it's going, where it's been. He's worked on a lot of different formats. It's interesting to hear his story about being in West Virginia and being introduced to country music. You know, he's done 3,000 interviews over 15 years. So I always like to bring in someone. And matter of fact, he just interviewed me for when I did Snake in the Grass. That's how I met him. And I went in, I was like, dang, this guy... He's really good, but there are a lot of good people, but there was something about him. And, and I think I mentioned it. He asked me a question I've never been asked before. And it wasn't just that, because you can ask me a lot of questions I've never been asked. Like, what color is a dog's liver? I don't know. Never been asked that before. But his was like, it was right on. I was like, damn, that's a great question. So he's just done so much. And I don't want to say a whole lot here because I think he says most of it. Mike, any takeaway from this interview with Mike? I mean, this felt like a master class in like country music. Yeah, it was really good. He is... The Nashville Country Music Reporter for the Tennessean, which is part of the USA Today Network, which basically is the biggest country music writer in America, and was the 2021 recipient of the Rolling Stone Chet Flippo Award for Excellence in Country Music Journalism. What I'm going to say, too, is going to be very vague. But we had to cut something from this because there's another award-ish thing happening, and he, we talked about it, but he can't talk about it right now. We'll soon, but, but can't yet. Yes, but he's very decorated. I hope you enjoyed this because I definitely did. Marcus Dowling. Follow him, Marcus K. Dowling, on Instagram and Twitter. And here we go, episode 360. Well, now we've flipped roles because the last time I was in the same room. Yeah. And you were, you were putting it to be pretty good, in a good way. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm here for it. I think before we continue on, let's. so I met you because, and I don't want to mess your position up, you're like, King Dingling of Country Music. That's what I would call it. King Ding, the King Dingling writer. I am the Nashville Country Music Reporter at the Tennessean. Which actually sounds really cool and there's substance there, but it's even bigger than that in my mind because all a lot of your stuff gets put in the USA Today yes. as well. Yes. Because this is the hub. Yeah, this is the Nashville Nashville is the Tennessee hub. 
for the USA Today network, which is owned by Gannett. So it's a whole like multi-tiered system. And since Nashville is the Tennessee hub or since whatever, and you're running country music, that's that's your that's your whole yes. area. Yes. Yes, like lock, stock, so and girl. I think on your on your cards or your your digital card now, it should just say King Dingling of Riders for country music. <laughs> you can have that. I'll let you have it. I wish. I appreciate it. Like, I mean, it's funny because I work with uh, Matt Limecooler and Dave Paulson at the paper, and they've been in the space as well for a long, long time. So it's a funny thing. It's like I came into this and was around a lot of bloggers and younger writers who were like, oh, country music, I love it, and really excited. And then when I interviewed at the paper, I met with Matt and Dave. And as like a journalist just in general, I'm like, oh, like those guys are great. And it was, it was the first moment where it was like, oh, so like I can actually like act my age and feel comfortable in that and feel like this is the level that I was supposed to be at all along. So it's, it's, it's fascinating. Just some of the stories that I've seen, because I started following you on Instagram after we met. Yeah, like we, yeah. Went, we went away and I was like, dang, like I, like I liked you. Thank you. I get interviewed by folks all the time, but I was like, dang, I like him. I don't follow anybody that interviews me. I appreciate that. And I was like, that's cool. I liked him. So I followed you, and then I started to see your stories because yeah, I, I follow your Instagram right. account, which, by the way, is it's just your name. Yeah, at Marcus with a C-K Dowling, D-O-W-L-I-N-G. Oh, there's a K, uh, Marcus K. Dowling. Yeah. That K. Okay, so Marcus K. Dowling, and he puts these little things up, and it looks like a mini version of a written story. It's a little digital deal. Exactly. And I saw one, and you were with Jelly Roll. Yes. And so I would like to hear your takeaway from your time with Jelly Roll because I spent some time with Jelly Roll as well. It's funny with Jelly. So I worked in hip-hop for, gosh, over a decade. And I became aware of Jelly Roll in 2010-ish when he was, I think he was just, he had just stopped working with uh, Juicy J and uh, working with um, Hypnotize Mind Records, I think. And it was him and Lil White and a couple other, like, you know, trap rappers who were renowned independent Southern trap rappers. And I knew who he was. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And then he got incarcerated, went away, came out of prison, and he popped back up on my radar. Like, on this, like, indie rock thing. And I was like, oh, okay, it's the same guy. And then I listened to the songs, and I was like, okay, there's, there's, like, legitimacy here. And it's not just like, okay, kind of like, throwaway, blog-ready, trap rock kind of thing. And then I dug even deeper, and I was like, okay, so at the same time that he was having his rise, uh, Yellow Wolf was having his rise. He had a song called Pop the Trunk that I adore. Who I knew Yellow Wolf from being introduced by Eminem way back in the day. Yes, exactly, right. So I was like, okay, so he has legitimacy in my eyes from way prior to this moment right now. And... For me, the thing about him that's important is that he's able to synergize on a very street level. And country, rock, hip-hop hasn't operated on a street level ever before. And the Antioch thing that he's into right now, like that's his, like his, he reps his community, that's very much out of hip-hop. And he's doing this thing in rock and country. Like he has a number one rock song. And very soon that will be a number one country song. And... For a country to have that kind of street-level legitimacy, uh, the, the closest thing I could think of to it is, like, if you talk about, like, William and those guys in Austin in the, you know, mid-'70s. Like, that's the, the closest thing to it, but it's different because it's got that hip-hop flavor to it. So it has a different swagger. 
What about some of the Atlanta country guys, though? Like, a little. I wouldn't say as much. A little. Well, it's, but like, like Zach Brown, for example. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that it's different in the sense that Zach doesn't have, like, a hip-hop, a true, like, deep, embedded hip-hop, like, legitimacy. Like, well, I know, Will but Willie, Willie didn't have it. Uh, right. That's why I was saying it was rep- different. Right, right. Yeah, I was saying it's, de- it's definitely different in the sense that that hip-hop swagger has not been present in the space probably ever in, in this way. Right. I. I guess my only thing when you're referencing Willie was people that stay in their home, right. rep their home hard, and don't really go where everybody else says they have to go. And, and that's not even a hip-hop thing, but it's rare in country music. Right, right. I mean, it's on some level you see it with Aldine with Macon in the same way. He lives here. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, but he, he reps but he hard, still, but he he still reps Macon hard. You yeah. know, he's got a whole record. Right, right, right. <laughs> so what do you, you think about Jelly Roll? I'm, I'm a huge fan. Um, I think he's, um, to me, he is country's answer to Biggie. In uh, what in what regard? Charismatic and, and, and sensual and in a way that you're not expecting. Like, I'm 44, so I still remember when Biggie was a breaking artist. And, like, reading about him in The Source. And, like, seeing him on MTV for the first time. Seeing him on BT for the first time. And you're like, there's something about this guy. There's an allure there. And then there's also obvious talent. And you, you don't get that mix of allure talent in that frame of body. That's a very rare thing. And to me, he has that in spades. And to be able to have that in country, which has already been trending towards hip-hop already, there's a space that he can uniquely occupy that is there. That I don't think necessarily a lot of people see, but I, I feel it when I see him. I'm like, this, this guy's biggie. Like, he, he is. And, you know, for me, coming with my background into this space... Uh, being able to like see that and know that and reflect that, I, I hope that that adds some kind of value to his development. I liked him because he was very authentic. And there's a difference in being authentic about the things you want to be authentic about. Right. And then just going, what, what, what do you want? We'll do it all. Right. And, and I can tell us someone who gets interviewed and does a lot of interviews when someone is being authentic about the things they want to be authentic about, or they're just a for real person and I'll dance with you wherever you want. And I like even when I feel like the most authentic person at times will go, you know, I'd rather not talk about that because they would rather not. And they're being honest, but they'll tell you and everything else is wide open. A lot of folks, it's, it's, it's almost like it's the opposite of what it should be. I feel like the most real people, if you get to a place that they don't want to talk, they'll just go, Hey, I don't want to talk about it. Instead of like faking you out a little bit. Yeah. But I think he's a person that has, Markedly less to lose than anybody else in the that's true, pop true. country space uh, by by a large margin. I think you and I are similar in that we grew up on country music, but we worked in other places for a long time. Yeah, yeah. like you know, I I grew up in Arkansas. Yep. My grandmother shoved country music down my throat when I was a young young kid, and I right. thought what well, was contemporary. I thought it was, I thought it was like new country, and it wasn't. It was her country, right? Right. Right. And so then I get twelve or thirteen, and I'm like, all right. I still love it. I'm gonna listen to it, but I'm gonna go do. I'm gonna do some alternative stuff. I'm gonna do some hip hop stuff. Yeah, you know, right. And I worked in pop and alternative radio. I worked in hip hop. Yeah. So I feel blessed to have like all these tentacles that have been exposed to other things that allow me to see things a bit differently, or or able to see transitions now where we are. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's why people either love you or hate you, because in country there's not that acknowledgement of having a breadth of influence. Because, again, I always tell people, country is 95 years old as a musical genre. It is 
arguably the oldest pop musical genre in the space, like pop, like, you know, people say the blues, whatever, but it's like popular, like, you know, mainstream music, country. And so troubling that and trying to think about that and look at that from different perspectives frustrates people. Or it makes them incredibly excited because, you know, but it's a very much a line in the sand conversation. Or I feel like they're ill-educated because country music came from basically two places, the slave ships yep. and Europe. Exactly. It was two out influences that came over to the States and people, they're like, we don't like our outside influence. Country music is all outside influences. Right, but even that is a collision that is awkward, that's troubled by, you know, like American history. So it's like, okay, so it's like you have like people who are, from a, a, a folk background in Appalachia, and you have, you know, black people who bring their banjos over from Africa. And that's troubled by slavery <laughs> as a concept, so, and in reality. And when you combine those things together, that's obviously a point of real tension. And it's always, always been tense. Um, for me, it's like when I talk about, like, you know, like the black country movement, a thing that people obviously, like, associate me with in a lot of ways. It's like, I say, okay, so... We, we've been this tense for a very long time, um, acknowledging that we're not going to make this any less tense tomorrow. That's not the, the goal is to not make this less tense. The goal is to make this more right. And that acknowledging that and accepting that, I think, is the first thing. And, and I don't know where that fits in our conversation, but I just wanted to make sure that was said. No, it fits in our conversation yeah. in that that's what you and I talk about all the time, every day, all day. Right. Right? And that's what we try to push yeah. along all right. the time. Right. You know, when you talk about, I don't want to say genre bending because it's not even what it is anymore, but people that are open to outside influences inside the genre, like Hardy, and I saw your story with Hardy. Yeah, oh yeah, I went to Whiskey Jam, I had to. And so, I know Hardy a little bit. Yeah. What, what is your takeaway from, from spending time with Hardy? He's a rock star in the most authentic sense of it. And I think that the journey for him is, has been backwards in some ways because there's a lot of reclamation of like early 2000s, late 90s rock tropes that he's finally come to a point in his career where I think success allows you to be able to have that space to be able to say, okay, I want to make like a puddle of mud, kid rock, like early 2000s, pop mainstream top 40 record and when you hear like sold out you're like okay like you can call it whatever you want but I, I know that that's a rock record and I know that that identifies him as a rock star and exactly everything that that means is exactly what it means and for him to be able to do that is important incredibly important and I think that that's part of the conversation if you could say that like you know Breland's doing this or Jimmy's doing that and you know, other artists are doing whatever. To say that Hardy's willing to be a rock star in the country space is as important and as necessary. Because we don't necessarily, we haven't had people fully embrace the rock thing. Like, it's like you've been a rock star, but you still have to wear the cowboy hat. <laughs> you know? And there's none of that in Hardy's, like, you know, like presentation right now. Where he gets the cred that people go, you don't have to wear a cowboy hat, is that he writes great country songs yeah and people and, go well he's country because he writes all these great country songs exactly and i think that there's value in that it's the same thing with him and with Ernest too in the sense that Ernest was a rapper long before he was a country artist and in that sense where it's like you can make music but as in some in some way if your career touches an intrinsic part of like the country like architecture like if you're a writer or a producer or an arranger or a session musician whatever if you do something else it's fine. 
But if you have a piece of that that is like authentically country, then I think that that's where like the rubber hits the road. I think for me, what allowed me to push through the first few years when I was constantly attacked for not being country was that I grew up country. You're from Arkansas. I'm from a rural town that I would encourage. Like, go to my home. That's what I would, I'd be like, go, go to my home. Dude, I'm from Washington, D.C. Imagine me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think to your point, like eventually people were just like, all right, we have to believe him because he's not somebody from, you know, uh, Brooklyn. Right. That's going, trust me. I, I'm, it's like, go listen to me talk. Yeah, Go, no, go to my home. You know, everything. and that was only one, but I had, I had that, like I touched that. That was part of me, even though I had all these other influences. Oh, of course, of course. But you and I grew up in the Napster. Yes. Time. And yes. I think we were the first generation to, we didn't have to work very hard to be exposed to other things. No. We just had to be open to liking other things. And that was pretty easy because it was all available. So, so I was a DJ in high school and college. And part of like when I graduated from college, my first job out of college was DJing at small bars in and around like, Georgetown and George Washington University area of uh, D.C. And I was a DJ. I was blessed to be a DJ in the late 90s and early 2000s because you would get like the, the, the CD books and everything was in there, you know, like, and, you know, I was typically playing college bars. So you're playing everything from like Sweet Caroline to, again, like Limp Bizkit. And then you're playing like House of Pain and Method Man. And, you know, it's like all on the same night. And if you don't understand how to facilitate the transitions, you're a bad DJ. And that's like the last thing you want to be. So like you start to just like intrinsically understand and, you know, just life-wise, I'm a curi- I have an intense curiosity. So, you know, that, that was just part and parcel of it for me. Where did your love of country music come from and when? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I was eight years old, 1986. Um, the year before for a summer vacation, my mom took myself and a friend of mine to Florida. We drove down from D.C. to Orlando to uh, Disney World. On the way back, our car broke down and we had to fly back. My mother was like, I will never incur that expense ever again to take you on vacation ever. My Wait, aunt- that was, the, that was the, the, what she got from it? Yeah. No more vacations for you? No, when the car like, broke down, yeah, that, that she was, was what like, she got from She it. was like, because she had to immediately buy like four plane tickets. And she was like, that's crazy. I'm not going to do that. Like, I grew up around a quarter from Section 8 housing. That was not going to be a thing that my mother wanted to do. So my aunt had won two double wides on The Price is Right in 1975. Are you kidding me? Yeah, she won. So she won, like... That's awesome. She won, she won the pricing game. And then she did the double showcase showdown thing where you're within $100. Yeah, so she won, like... And then she won both showdowns? Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, so she had... So there were two... There was a double wide trailer in The Pricing Game, and there was a double wide trailer in The Showcase. So she had two. So she parked them in Falling Waters, West Virginia. And we went up there to like rent the trailers for two weeks. And there was a family that lived across the path. And they had like the aluminum siding double wide. Like they lived at the trailer park. And they had two kids. And they saw this woman and her boyfriend, and my mother's boyfriend at the time. And my friend who was with me lat the year prior, like they saw us and they're like, oh, we have two kids. And if you just want to hang out with your boyfriend all night, like we could take your kids off your hands. And promptly I was sent across the path <laughs> and on Friday and Saturday nights in Falling Waters, West Virginia, whatever local TV, you know, stations they had there, they would have hee haw followed by the Grand Ole Opry. And this is, I'm, I'm an eighties baby. So I kind of knew what country music was. My mom watched Dallas. Like I knew who Kenny Rogers was by sight, who Dolly Parton was by sight, Conway Twitty. But like you'd watch hee haw and the Opry and these people, 
like didn't look like country politan 80s stars they looked like you know like the the you know nudie suits and you know like they like the the square dancers and with their taps and the whole get up and i'm like in tassels and i'm like these people look crazy and i'm eight years old and i grew up where i grew up so i haven't heard a lot of southern accents in my life so i'm like these people sound crazy but i'm like the stories are incredible so i just became hooked and that's it's always kind of trailed me in life like at every point in my life like i've always made time to like check in with country music like, so I had like a, a, a deep curiosity and a, a, a passing knowledge of like whatever was pop of the era. But like my, my real wheelhouse was like between like, I always say 65 and 83. That's my wheelhouse. Those, that's the stuff that like I'll always go back to and listen to. Like, it's like, yeah, this is like if I'm like driving down the road or if I'm like taking a run or whatever. Like if you knock me over the head and grab my Spotify playlist, you'd see a lot of that stuff. So... West Virginia, it, it turns out to be kind of the birthplace of yeah. your country music love. 86, Keith Whitley, like, Dolly Parton, Conway Twitty, like, Kenny Rogers, you know, Charlie Pride was like the What'd only... your mom think about her kid listening to country music? Oh, my God, my mom hated it. Yeah. She hated it. Oh, she hated it. She was like, like, every single trope of, like, white redneck America, she, like, fostered whatever I would listen to country music for any extended period of time. She'd be like, oh, well, you know, they're all rednecks. Or, oh, like, you know, you should learn. That's how I learned about the Civil War. Like, my mom's like, well, you know, if you, if you listen to this music, there's all these, you know, they're Confederates. And, and this is how the Civil War happened. And I'm like 10 years old. And I'm like, wow, really? But I'm like, look at that shirt. <laughs> Mom, like, hey, look. Jesse Coulter looks really cool on TV. So what, what am I supposed to do? So you listen to country music, but you're probably also, because that's the golden age, the birth of hip-hop, yep. too. Yep. I mean, that's when... I, so I did a, it's funny, I did a panel for um, Music Biz Conference. And I was uh, myself with one, the duo, um, who's the, uh, the, the ex-girlfriend of RZA and her daughter are uh, in a country duo. And when I was preparing them for the, the, the thing, like she's, you know, like obviously got a connection with New York hip hop. It's so all like, when you think about like great storytellers who pops in your head and she goes, well, I think about, she's like, I think about um, Slick Rick. And I was like, oh, so we should get up on stage and do til- children's story. And we did in front of like an entire room of like, you know, country music executives. <laughs> and they look at us like, and then I was explaining the story of the song and they're like, wow. And it was, I mean, I got off the stage just, woman comes up to me and she goes, you know, I might like rap now. <laughs> and she's like in her 60s, right. clearly. And I'm just like, wow, like it took me to like explain to you like the, the, the first eight bars of children's story for you to get it. Okay, cool. Whatever it takes, right? For me, a good writer or even a good curator, they don't have an agenda, but they have an agenda at the same time to to give people a different outlook or maybe expose them in a different way yeah you're, you're dead on with that so so there's no agenda in that you're going to create a story but maybe and i'm not saying you i'm just going to do the no. universal you yeah i'll do me i'll do me hey, right I'm, it's, no we can do me it's, it doesn't matter either way so i don't want to feed you some bull crap and make and give you some false facts but i definitely have a perspective constantly and consistently about how i feel about this genre and mm-hmm. i've been praised and ridiculed 
at the highest points on both. Yeah. And I've always had this perspective, and it's mine, and I own it. Now, here are you, you're here now, and you're writing. You are yeah. writing for the biggest, the most powerful publication that writes on country music. So you have to have that, not an agenda to, to make things happen, but an agenda to cover it from your perspective. It's, it's a thing with, like, so Ben Goad is my boss at the paper. We had a sit-down conversation, like, first day. He's like, well, what do you think about the job? And I'm like, well, we just have to cover the best music. And to me... That's like, so great, great aside. Like I saw Morgan Wallen twice at the Bridgestone Arena. This is after I spent most of last year like writing like honest, hard-hitting, brutal, real pieces about racism. But I'm like, he also has 4 billion streams on Spotify. So like, yeah, I'm going to sit there for two nights because I need to understand impartially because I care more about the job and I care more about the readership of the Tennessean than I care about what anybody thinks about me. Because I know at the end of the day, I have to have an unbiased, unfettered opinion about all of this. If my opinion stops at 99.97% of country music and there's 0.3 of it that sells, outsells 25 artists who I think are great, then I'm not doing my job. So, like, for me, that's the thing. It's like, I'll do that. I'll also write about Joy Clark, who's an amazing virtuoso, like, black lesbian guitarist who, like, you know, I met at Americana Fest last year, and she's now playing with Alison Russell's band. I'll write about her in the same space. Like, that's what you do. Because it's like, to me, I look at I have a week. Like, I have a, a whiteboard. It's like the week of country music. And if I'm not covering to me what are the most compelling stories that week, even ones that push me and stretch me and make me have to like step outside of myself or reconsider things or, or notions that I would have outside of me having this job, that's what I do. You know, like, it, like, like I said, I went to Whiskey Jam. I was like, you know, like a lot of my friends who like, you know, look at me from D.C. or wherever else and they're like, so you like went to like Whiskey Jam <laughs> for like, four hours and like sat there and like watched these guys like play country music. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, why? And I'm like, well, it's the culture of the city. I'm like, if you actually go to lower Broadway, the music that Hardy and Ernest and Ben Burgess are making kind of like defines the top 1% of what Nashville's doing on some level. And I wouldn't be doing my job. Like, yeah, is it, is it a fascinating thing to do? Of course, but that's the job. So, of course, I'm going to do the job. I do the job first. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovas is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacovas has first wear comfort, little to no break in period. Like, it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or you like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events, there is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. 
T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means that families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food so the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Is your agenda to cover the most compelling music stories? Yeah. Because somebody's agenda could be to cover the newest late-breaking artist or to cover the... Sh- you know, there's there's all... It- yeah, so, but to me, it's like, if... if- it's a, it's a rule I have with new artists, right? Because nobody's new in country. Everybody takes like, you know, a decade to become new. It's, it's a beautiful thing. But to me, it's like, if you're new and you're making the best music, in my unbiased opinion, then I'm going to have something to say about the music that you are making. Like, unquestionably. And, and that's the thing. It's like, like, for, like, right now, I have like two stories I'm working on about Pillbox Patty. Because Nicolette is an A-plus level writer and her music is expanding the expectations of what women do in the genre in a way that hasn't been expanded in like 50 years. And I'm like, I have to cover that. And, and she's new. You know, she's, if I walked down the street to, to the Publix, 1% of the people in Publix would know who she is. But am I going to put her in the Tennessee? Absolutely. <laughs> like, she's making great music. And she's on the, the Ashley McBride album. And, you know, she's got her stuff. And, you know, she's, she's working and relevant. So that, that's the way I look at it. I saw you did a story on Ronnie Dunn. Absolutely. Because he, he has a new record out. Yeah. What's your experience personally like with Ronnie? Like, you go to a room and you meet him. How does Ronnie come off to you? Well, for me, Ronnie Dunn is, like essential to country because people if you don't know country music you would really wonder why i would give a million craps about somebody from oklahoma like to me oklahoma texas that area that red dirt area 
that to me is like the bread and butter of the genre. And Ronnie understands that space better than almost anybody. He's like, unquestionably, people want to ask why Neon Moon is one of the greatest songs of all time. Because it, it for a large part of an of enormous genre in music, that song best defines what that look, sound, feel, and texture of a, of a, of a culture feels like. And when you talk to him, it's just like, it's funny. He's the only person I've ever met who, if you put him on too high of a pedestal, will immediately lower himself to your level by talking like, we were talking and he's like, yeah, 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 this, but have you heard Parker McCollum? He's on my record. And he's like, that guy, he looks better. He he looks like he stepped out of the gym. And I I like, you know, his look because he's got that Texas thing going on. And you're just like, Wow. Because the funny thing I learned from him was like, and especially it's the thing that I love about country, is that you could be at the pinnacle of the space, but because you feel competition every day, because Nashville is that kind of town where like somebody could have 45 number one hits and somebody has 50 that walks in the room right after them. Like you're always competing. You're always working. So you're always comparing yourself to whatever you feel is the newest, hottest, youngest, most relevant thing because you're almost like trying to figure out, well, where do I compare and am I better or am I worse or what could I do to like meet or exceed that level? I don't want you to say any names because I wouldn't say names if you asked me this question either. But do you ever, because you get to sit down and get intimate with, with these folks. Yeah. Usually go to a place where they're comfortable and when they're comfortable, they get comfortable faster. Yeah. You ever sit with someone and go, all right, this person's not even really in this. They're, they're, they're putting on something that's completely false just to make a buck or because they couldn't, <sighs> they couldn't hit it somewhere else. Okay. It's, it's a funny thing with me when it comes to interviewing. You've, you, I've interviewed you. So you've, been in, you've sat across from me. My job is to pull down your barrier before we even ask the first serious question. If I can't pull down the barrier, then I know that, like, I know something about this person is not at all legitimate or relevant in what they're trying to do or trying to accomplish. And I find ways to make sure that I meet my subject wherever they are in their creative process and what they're doing. Like, that to me is more important than anything. Like, understanding, like, okay... You make music because you just want to meet cool girls. There are a lot of people who make country music because they want to meet cool girls, they want to meet a wife, they want to have three kids in a you know, four-car garage, and that's it. And if I could find that in that person, and we dive in on that, and then I work back around to the music and all the other stuff I need, then that's an interview of value because I've, I've found something about this person where I know that I'm going to get pure, honest, unadulterated facts. And for them, when I come at them at that level, half of the interview sometimes I feel like they're like off-put because they're like, wait, how does this guy know that about me? That is strange and weird and I've never really told anybody that. But And that just comes from me from years of just like observing people. Like, music is people. You know, it's like, 
if you sing a song or you write a song, something of yourself is in that song. And me as a journalist, my job is to like figure that thing out and expose it to the whole world. And hopefully that impacts their development or their fan base or their economic bottom line or whatever. I don't know if it was strategy by you, because if it was, it was an awesome one, or if it just happened to be uh, the, the, the luck of the day. But, you know, you were here and you interviewed me and I had done 55 interviews in a row. And so I came in and I had no barrier. My barrier had me eaten away. Any barrier that I even wanted, I was, <laughs> I was exhausted, but it's the best place to get me yeah. because I just don't care anymore. I don't care for the most part anyway, for no, the most part. I, when it comes to you and me, we're the same person. We're opposite sides of the same coin. And it took me like a day of just like looking at the YouTube channel and going, oh, I think I know Bobby Bones pretty well. Like, and then I realized you're 42 and I'm 44. So, and then I realized you're a cultural influence of mine. And I'm like, there's a lot of similarities here. And I'm like, if I just talk to you point blank straight, there's something about like the way that you create magic when you interview people and the way that I try to create magic where I interview people where I'm like, something really special could occur. Well, you asked me something no one's ever asked me before. And again, as you've done 3,000 interviews yeah. and I've done many myself and been interviewed many times, it's rare when something new happens. Yeah. And so I'm sitting here and we're talking, having a good time. I like you. We're, right. And most interviews go, oh, look at this. You did bestsellers. Look at you. You did this show. You did. And they're all like, which one? What's your favorite? Which? And you went, what do you, what do you not have? And I was like, oh, that's refreshing. Okay. Yeah. Let me sit up straighter. <laughs> and I remember, just get, I, I remember getting like fired up, not at you, at the fact that I'd never get to host the ACM or CMAs because I right. live with that. I was just with a friend of mine who is so upset that I'm not going to attach a, uh, a gender to them. Um, that they are not asked to perform at the CMA or ACMs, and they have a ton of number ones. Right. And they, and this person is like, I don't get it. Like, I've done everything. And I'm like, bro or sis, same. And I was talking about my interview with you, and I said, you know what? I'm, I, I've complained about it internally. We've had all the meetings. I have all the credentials and requirements. Mm -hmm. and, um, but because of whatever political things happening behind the scenes, this – person and myself in different worlds but they're 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 a big star yeah and no i get and, it and so you asked me that and i went oh i'd like to share this now thank you for asking i've never <laughs> talked no, about I that appreciate it because it's like because to me it's like it's the satchel page like hit it where it ain't thing you know where it's like that's what i think about all the time when i think about those things it's like if you because it's like i've talked to like quincy jones and i've talked to like so like Give me an example. My very first interview I ever did. Ever. 2008. Like, ever. It, when I was, like, in journalism, like, I am okay. in music journalism. This is what I do. Was with Tina Marie. My mother raised me on Tina Marie. She's like, in my mind, there's the, at a certain age in my life, there was no more beautiful woman on planet Earth than Tina Marie. And I walk into her hotel room to interview her. And she's done everything that I would ever think that somebody who, you know, makes R&B should do. So I'm just like, okay. And it's like, so it was funny. It's like the first thing I asked her, like off the record, I'm like, is there anything that Rick didn't do for you, Rick James, that you wish he would have done at a certain point? And she just stops and she looks at me and she goes, I don't know. And then like all of a sudden, like the interview starts and there's like this outpour of all of these things that she did later in her career that she wishes that, this person who was intrinsically related to like the start of her career would have done then 
so that she didn't have to do them then. And it was this weird perspective switch, and that's like that's like that's like into inside baseball probably for people watching. Well, that's what listening. this is though. It's all inside. Yeah, baseball. but no. So okay, I guess it works then. But that's the thing. It's like so I always go back to that, and it's like anytime I, I sit in a room with somebody who I know has done like everything, it's like I go back to like little points like that, and other little points where it's like it's the things either that you gloss over that you realize are bigger later on in life, or the things that you literally just don't have. That are the things that create the compelling point that like, because for me, like, I also try to make everybody really human. Because like I said, music is human. So I try to make everybody human. And I'm like, okay, so like, and I know you have a giant fan base of people who tune in, watch, subscribe, whatever. And I'm like, okay, so like the value here and also like for the Tennessee and the subscriber based like, you know, publication, you know, Tennessean.com, $1 for six months. That's the whole thing. Like, that's my job. Do it. Marcus, make it happen. And I'm like, all right. So I know. I'm like, all right. There has to be something of like extraordinary value. And typically that's the personal. So I'm like, okay, well, I need to find something personal about somebody. And I'm like, well, that, that, that might yield something. And then when you said what you said, I was like, well, okay. All right. That's, that, that's the thing. I feel good about it. Yeah, because I have no problem going anywhere personal. And it's been asked. I, I have offered it. It's been asked. But you asked that. And I was like, I felt like inside my ribs. Like, it got a little warm, and I was like, all right. No, I've never been asked this. I'm pretty passionate. I have a reason to talk about it because I didn't just bring it up. No, of course. Like, I, and that's, that was the, that's the fun of it. Like, that's the fun of the interview process and being a journalist. When, like, like I've done, like, 3,000 of these things now. So it's like when you get to that point where you know that if you make a push, it's going to hit something. Like, you don't really – you can't ever go into an interview knowing what you're going to hit. Like, you can have a, a, a list of questions in the back of your head, like, I want to talk about this and this and that and that, like, I'm snake in the grass, and I want to talk about the show and country music, and then it's like, okay, wait. So if I ask about this, I, feel, I felt it. I'm like, okay, we can push here. Maybe something will come out of this. I don't know. And then something does, and I'm like, oh, all right, here we go. <laughs> you know? This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about the incredible work that's being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and to ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. Families do not have to worry about a thing. 
Treatment is covered. Travel, housing, food. And when you're a family that's going through this, like imagine you're a parent, your kid gets cancer. You need to focus on that child. You don't need to be worrying about other things. And financial stuff can get really stressful. St. Jude covers it. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment. And when you sign up for just $19 a month, you're going to get the new This Shirt Saves Lives tee. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text Bobby to 785-833. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785-833. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Do you ever have, and we experienced this pretty recently, where someone's like, hey, I would like to do a little, like the PR team reaches out, we'd love for you to interview them, but, you know, they don't want to talk about this. And you're like, no, but if they don't want to talk about that, then I can't talk with them. Because it's, so I get that all the time, actually, because it's country music. So, (laughs) you know, and the thing with me is that that's why I do research, because... I could do an entire interview with somebody and not mention the thing, but I could talk about a whole bunch of other stuff that's fascinating about somebody and still have it have value, even without that obvious big thing that we're not supposed to discuss, like, you know, the, 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 the hidden thing. It's like, especially if it's an artist who has like, a, like done something over a period of time, because typically it's like legacy artists. They have those like, well, don't ask about that thing or this thing, but it, it's like, well, they also did like a hundred other things. And I also understand like in any space that I work in, whether it's hip hop or EDM or whatever, like I understand culturally what's going on in the space. And I'm like, okay, so let me find like the value for this person to this space. It's like, that's why I like interviewing like eighties and nineties country stars right now. Like that was one of, that's one of the coolest parts for me about like CMA Fest, for instance, when they're like, hey, you get to talk to Shenandoah and Sarah Evans today. And I'm like, yo, all right, like, let's go. And they're like, really? Like, they're, they're playing first and second. And, but I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, if you ask any artist who wants to get to where Sarah Evans is about their interest in Sarah Evans, they want to know. Like, they really need, like, that answer. So, like, maybe I'm not doing this interview for, like, 10 trillion people. Maybe I'm doing it for, like, 500 female artists who are aspiring to get to Nashville. But if that yields a generational pop country crossover superstar, because they heard Sarah Evans say, I use Mariah Carey for vocal cues. Then we, we've done, we've achieved a bigger thing. And that's the stuff that matters, you know, like on some level, like this can't all just be like, you know, like 
gossipy throwaway journalism. Like, not that there's anything wrong with that, because there's, there's a certain market for that too, but on some level, like, you have to do something that has some kind of value somewhere. You'll still take and do the interview if they're like, we don't want to talk about this. You'll still do it and just find another way. Oh, yeah, so You're a better person than I am. I'm like, I'm out. And I, I don't even have to ask about no, it. No, man, like, it's... Because yeah. a lot of this for me is, like, understand, like, I, 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 I laugh at it because I'm like, I, like, watched Crooked Chase a lot as a kid. You know? They're coming in in a few weeks. Amazing. Yeah, so, I'm super pumped about that. Like, you know, so I would watch these shows, and for me... When I get the opportunity, it's the one thing that, like, and you're getting me back now because I'm saying something I never said before. It's the one thing for me that always gets me is, like, I have the moment that I saw on TV happen in my life. That's always cool. So it's like, if, if it's like, insert artist here. They don't want to talk about this, that, and that. But did I see them get interviewed in 2004 on CMT? Yeah. Okay, well, I want to interview him in 2022 because, heck, like, I watched that interview back then and I had questions I wanted to ask. And I obviously would have never imagined that a time would have come in my life where that would have been an opportune thing to do. Most viral interview you've ever done? Oh, God. Um, Just Yeah, I did one with Walker Hayes. at um, So, funny thing with Walker. Everybody asked Walker the same set of questions. Like, Applebee's, TikTok, dancing. And nobody had asked him what he thought about having to get to a point in his career where learning how to use social media was the most important thing. Like, I, it, it blew my mind. I'm like, wow, that's the obvious question. Like, he's been here for 17 years. When you get to a point where you have to pick up a telephone, you can't, like, go into a writer's room. Like, the thing that defines your career is I'm going to pick up this telephone and I'm going to do this dance and it's going to fit the song and it's going to amplify my career. Nobody asked him that question. So I asked him the question at the uh, ACMs and it did big numbers. And I was very happy to see that because that's the thing that I'm talking about. Because it's like, on some level, too, for me as like a writer and creator in the digital era, you have to be able to like look at the trends and say, okay, so like, I can't do like, not to throw anybody under a bus, but I can't do like 7.30 p.m. TV journalism. I cannot. That is not a thing that I am equipped to do. There are many things I can do. That is not one of them. So I'm like, my take on it is I'll, I'll do it if you force me, but I'm going to try to find like the blind spot in that whole space and make that the push of my work. Like, if you want me to do it, I'll do it, but I'm going to do it this way. And every so often I hit a, I, I, I hit a lick and it's, it's a good look. I was talking to Kathy Lee Gifford a couple days ago. She was talking about interviewing Martin Short, and she was ta- asking about his wife, and she was like, you guys are such a great couple. Uh, show ended. Uh, his wife had died a year ago of cancer. Yeah. But she didn't know that. Here right. she is asking him, oh, your wife, how is she? But he didn't want to embarrass her on TV. Right. So he waited until the show was over, and he was like, hey, listen, I know you didn't know, but my wife died a year ago of cancer. And she was like, that's the biggest, like, dumbest question I ever asked. And she's like, I'm prepared. And I guess I just she just knew them, right? And so she didn't look that. Yeah, you ever you ever get in one of those situations? Oh God, I, I, this is so funny story. I was at CMA, and um, Lainey Wilson is an artist I've like written a lot about as she's had her moment. So earlier that day, like the the big announcement had come out about her and Yellowstone, 
and I'm doing this interview. And this is this is proof to the research that I do. I had like a whole set of questions I wanted to ask Lady in my head, and her PR is looking at me and going, like she's like off camera, like looking at me, like you're not asking the one thing I need you to ask a question <laughs> about, Marcus. Like, and I'm asking about every other thing under the sun, and she's just talking, and it's glib, it's a good conversation, and then we get done, and she goes. Marcus, I need 30 more seconds on camera. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and she's like, Yellowstone. And so I like pulled up my phone. I said, yellow. Oh, crap. Okay, sorry. <laughs> like it had happened in the period of time from like the period that like I had stopped doing my research to like the moment I had her on camera, this thing had been announced. And that one tiny window about her, the biggest thing about her in a long time had happened. Yeah, and I was just <laughs> yeah. like, ah. Oh. And so we get back on camera. It was fine. And it's like, it was edited just fine. But it, for me, it's like those those are the moments that happen where I'm like, because <sighs> it's like you, you work so hard and you think you got it. And then it's like little those little tiny things. But um, I think that that's the thing that happens to a lot of artists that I interview. Because I end up like, because, okay, so red carpets are the bane of my existence. Uh, there's no worse place to do an interview than in three minutes on a red carpet. But we do them all the time because it's a whole part of the, the, the award show experience. So... You find these like older acts who get asked like the same six questions. Like, you know, it's like, so like Sarah Evans, I use Sarah as a perfect example. Like she gets asked about suds in the bucket like a hundred million times. And she has like the same 90 second snippet. So it's like, I, I stopped her and I asked her about like her like vocal quality. And she looked at me for a second, like I had invented fire. <laughs> she was like, what? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And then I had another question that was like, not about, or any of her her like spate of hits that people typically ask her about and she gives the same 90 second question and so we get to the end of it a 90 second answer and then at the end of it i ask about like you know like yeah so like you know for these songs and how do you feel about like you know people like having these moments when they hear your music now 20 years later and then when you get done she's like i appreciate that interview and i'm like well yeah like, you know that's the least you can do like because a lot of times you find with those older artists like people will do that kind of like short-sighted research and they'll miss giant things or just not ask questions that are reflective of somebody's like breadth of scope of work. Next week I was, uh, we've had some issues here at home, so I'm not going to be able to do it, but I was going to LA to do AGT, not to perform, yeah, but to uh, do some Snake in the Grass promo and be part of the show. Yeah, And I was looking forward to seeing uh, the girl from Chapel Heart. Chapel Heart. Which I, I was introduced to a couple years ago. They had sang the national anthem at an event. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, this, this is pretty good. So Mike and I started playing them on my Women of Country Music show. Yeah. And so we played them pretty consistently for an inconsistent show where I can't play people two weeks in a row, really, for the most part. Yeah. And so we'd start playing Chapel Hard and loading them up, and people would ask questions. But we had played that song. We had played the Jolene song, though. Yeah. Before. Yeah, way, way, way before. before. It's, a, it's a hit. Yeah. <laughs> So we were playing that like a year ago. Yeah, like a, yeah, it's right. a hit. It's and a hit. So they, you know, they go on AGT and they get the gold ticket. And so I was looking yeah. forward to just right. being like, "Look at you guys! This is awesome." Um, you talked to them pretty recently. Yeah. Where are they now? What what mental space are they in? So it's funny with them. Like to give you to give you a scope of like my time with them. When I started at CMT last year, they were CMT Next Women in the Country. Um, I saw them play in Annapolis, Maryland, and I introduced them on stage. So like I and I and they're at a place where they are over prepared for success. Um, I put them in the same group that I put Madeline Edwards, Miko Marks, 
and artists who are like vastly, uh, Wendy Moten too, who are vastly overprepared for the moment. Lainey Wilson in there as well. Like people who like, who always show up as if their moment is about to occur. Like that's been Chapel Hearts grind. Um, they are they are charismatic. They understand how to do three part harmonies better than probably anybody else. Like in in the space, like they are that good. Uh, they have a stage performance that is great because again, when you're at that point of doing this for as long as they have been doing it, and doing it in the spaces that they've had the opportunity to do it in, like they tour parts of the country that are like died in the wool like country music spaces and that's what they know it's not like they like came from some other genre or they're like country artists that are you know like a lot of black country artists get pigeonholed into being on you know neo soul or r&b showcases and you know they're like playing their guitar and trying to fit but no chapel art plays like country places like they're like louisiana arkansas alabama like that's oklahoma texas like they're they're in it and so they're just, like, ready. They're overripe. Like, they're having fun. Like, I called them the day after it happened. I called, like, their manager and got them on the phone. And I'm like, how is it? And they're like, great. Oh, my God. Like, we did it. And finally, it's happening. And I'm like, yeah. And it's it's a cool thing. Because it's, it's, like, the same thing with Wendy Moten on The Voice. Like, after Wendy had her moments on The Voice, I would call her up and be like, how are you? And she's like, yeah, it's finally happening. Oh, my God. And it's it's a cool thing to see when people who are overprepared for success are able to just execute at the highest level and slay it out of the gate. It'll be interesting to see what happens after the show. And I think I have an interesting perspective because, one, I worked on American Idol for four years, and I would see these kids or young adults win, and you only got a brief window to capitalize on yep. that because then nobody cares again. Right. So you have it. So I was able to watch it and work it. But then I also, one Dancing with the Stars, where I had a brief window – in that world of the L.A. TV world to capitalize because soon nobody cared again. Yeah. And so my advice is always to folks who go on a show like this is you finish the show, like you're not going to come away out of this and be a big star. What you got to grab on and hold on and grind is that next step up. Well, Don't they, try to jump three steps because you can get that next step right now. You get It's handed to you. They, The best play that they made was making the direct offer to the Opry. As soon as they got the golden ticket, like brilliant, and they got it, and I'm going to be covering that on what, September 18th. They make their like opera debut, which they, again they had they had that window. They said, "Let's pick our one or two <laughs> things that we can," and they yeah. they hit it, knocked it Th- out. That, of the that park. was a home run move by them to go. We're not going to go. We want to headline the CMAs. No, they went. We want to play the Opry. That is an elevation, and we think we can get that yeah. right now. And. and Dan Rogers is not unaware, and Jordan Pettit, they're not unaware. They know what the deal is. And, you know, like, I, I, I am, it's, it's one thing with, like, reparational equity in Nashville right now, like, where people are showing up, not because, oh, God, George Floyd, whatever, protests, Black Lives Matter, like, you know, like, you know, all of, all of those, like, prerequisite things. We're two years past that now. Now is just a thing where, like, if you put, certain acts on stage, especially black female acts for the most part. These are people who show up and blow away your stage in a way that like is within the established conversation. It's not like, you know, like uh, Breland too, like at the Opry, like 
within the conversation, but also expanding it in a way that isn't troubling or difficult to the established audience. I always say, like, if you go to the Opry, that is country music. Like, those people, like, the 4,400 people that go to the Opry and sit there, like, that's, that's country. And if they're, like, standing ovation, you're okay. Yeah, because you don't get that for free. No, absolutely not. I don't care what you look like, you don't get that for free. <laughs> right. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your next stop before attending your next concert. Tacova's has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring. You're talking about men's boots, women's boots, um, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, timeless style, always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort, little to no break-in period. Like it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, direct consumer pricing keeps the value on your feet, the money in your pocket. So stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop the new styles. You like the smell of leather or no? I love it. Yeah. That's what the whole store basically is. Fresh leather. Yep. Friendly staff. Or you like the smell of staff? <laughs> I don't know. I guess I'm sure they smell good there. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. What a gift, too. Regular live music and events. There is no in-store experience like this. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tecovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S. Yeah. Yeah. Tecovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has stepped up for the kids at St. Jude. St. Jude's been leading the way in the world's best survival rates for some of the most aggressive forms of childhood cancer. Your support means the families never get a bill from St. Jude for treatment or travel or housing or food. So the families can focus on helping their child live. And that really hits home for me because I've been to St. Jude many times. I've hung out with the kids, played music for the kids. I was in the hospital a lot as a kid. Now, I didn't have cancer, but if it wasn't for people stepping up, I don't know that I would have been able to go and stay in the hospital and be taken care of. So that's why we do this, take care of others. You can help St. Jude stop childhood cancer by becoming a partner in hope. When you do this, you'll get this awesome new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. So Join all the doctors and researchers, you know, and me in this fight and just text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's only six numbers, but text the word Bobby to 785-833. It's interesting that, you know, where you talk about Nashville and I have found that just giving people chances, and we've seen a lot of black artists They've been given chances yeah. at, in the last two or three years, more so than I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it's just about exposure, right? I, for yeah. me, because I'm being exposed now, mm-hmm. I'm going, and honestly, I don't put anybody on my show just because they're a black artist. No, I, I, and I appreciate that. And sometimes I get that. in trouble for that, but I'm like, why would, this is my, you can tell me that I'm completely wrong here. I never want to take someone, I don't care man, woman, because this was happening with the female artists as well. They right. were like, just put female artists on. I was like, but if I put a female artist on that doesn't come on and crush, everybody's going to go, that's why we don't put female artists on. And so I would get hammered. Oh, of course. And, and listen, I was touring. I was taking out female artists. I was doing whole concerts at Ascend. Yeah. With all, but I, I just couldn't allow myself to highlight someone that I felt like me highlighting them would hurt the cause more than a quick no, Highlight uh, like, would help it. Like, to me, the coolest thing right now is John Party taking Laney Wilson and Haley Witters out on the road with him. And 
you already know. Like you put them on a stage, it's like it's 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 a done deal. It's a wrap. Like they're gonna. It's Tierra. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean that that to me is. Yeah. I watched Tierra. I don't. I didn't know she had sent a video in a couple years prior that I thought was so good. We played it on the show. Yeah. But I didn't even connect them. Right. And, and I'm talking to her. And she's like, "You remember when I sent the?" And she's so country. It's yes. Yeah, she's, she's like, "You remember when I sent that video in?" And I was like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." And so we played it, and I was like, "Wow." And just to watch her, and I and she opened some shows for me here, yeah. and I'm taking her to the Today Show in a couple weeks. Awesome, awesome. And, but it's not, it's not because she's a black artist. No, she's great. It's because she's, she's great. Just... But I do appreciate the fact that people are working to expose more anything that doesn't allow itself to be exposed naturally, right. and generously. Right. Like I mean, because it's for me, it's like again, it gets back to that point for me with having the best music in the space. Like that's my job. At, beginning middle and end i'm the nashville country music reporter so i report about the best music in the space so like yeah you know it's like i all i i tell young especially because young black artists will always talk to me and say well i think i'm ready and i'm like okay well i'll send them like l king for instance like i sent somebody l king recently and i said okay that's the standard where are you towards that and i'm like frankly like frankly compare what you're doing on every scope to what she's doing not because she's white but because she's great like that's the standard for me right now for the, the the thing that you're trying to do and it's like oh so you think i could get there and i'm like well i wouldn't send it to you if i didn't think you could get there <laughs> like if i didn't think that that was a, a navigable jump for your artistic creativity and your presentation and your like you know candor and everything like you know you could, that that's a thing you can you could reach so for me this that's the next layer of this conversation is once you get in the space where is your growth in that space? And are you getting resources right. like everyone else is getting to allow yourself to grow? Right. And But the resources are there. That's the thing. If you, if you show up, like if you show up like Madeline Edwards showed up in 2022, like you're, yeah, every, all, the, all the resources will be in your hands. So ultimately then it is up to you to, to make those leaps because the resources are there. Like it's like, it's there. I always tell people this. I say, there are no closed doors in this city anymore. There may be closed minds in those rooms, but there are no closed doors. And that's the thing that has changed since the first time I came here in February 2021 in, in a musical-like capacity. You know, I wrote the uh, giant CMT uh, Charlie Pride. And to see that change has been heartening. And to me, it's like when you deal with closed minds, that's just a level of like people that are stodgy about talent anyway. So there, so that's like that's the next thing. But there's no closed doors. There's people with closed minds behind those doors, but the, the doors are certainly open now. What'd you write today? Anything good? Oh yeah. So um, what's the what's the guy's name who just had a hundred number one singles? He played Ashley? on. No, no, he played on. He played on. Yeah. God, I can't think of the guy's name. What's he play? But um, guitar. Uh, was He's an A R too? Yeah, I won't know. Yeah, but I just cool wrote. To know. I wrote about him. I, uh, what else did I write about that was good? Um, Little Big Town. I sat down with them. Off about yeah, yeah. For uh, Mr. Sun, which is a great, which is a great record that's coming out. I interviewed them. I also, uh, I'm working on something about Ashley McBride's record, uh, Lindaville, which I'm sure you've heard it. I don't listen yeah. to anything before it comes out. Oh, man. I'm not you. No one depends <laughs> on me for... They should. What you they they don't. They should. They don't. They they depend on you for pre 
<laughs> and priming them for what they're about to get into. People depend on me for reaction. Yeah, no, it's it's. I I explained that to somebody recently. It's funny you bring that up, like because somebody was like trying to like figure out why it looked like we had good chemistry, and I'm like, well, we're like freaking frack. It's like <laughs> I open the door, you walk through it, and Bobby's there. That's the way it should work. Like if I open the door and you walk through. Then Bobby's there. And if I open the door and you walk through and Bobby's there, then Bobby's only going to be there because I said it was good. And that's the way it should work. And they're like, wow, that makes sense. And I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what we do. Like, that's, that to me is hopefully where this heads in this town. Right. Like, that's one of the, my, my great hopes. Next steps for my career, at least. Well, I appreciate what you do. Uh, you know, we, we generally don't have a lot of journalist writers here. Uh, I know. But... I was grateful. I, I, I th- Thank you. I think going back to when I mentioned agenda, I am in line with your agenda. Thank you. And I can appreciate how hard it is because I don't do it the same way you do it. And I don't take at times the risks that you take, nor do you take mine, but I can respect yours because I know what it's like to have to take them. Yeah. But I, I just think what you do is needed here. I like you as a person and all that kind of worked out in the Venn diagram of right in the middle. Boom, let's have them on. So I, I just love, I told Mike, I was like, well, let's get Marcus on. Like, that, that was awesome. Dude, seriously, I sincerely appreciate it. Like, um, like, you're one of the reasons why I'm here. That's not true. No, it is. That's it not is. true. There are, there, are like, there are like five people at, at this town. house right now. Yes, you're the reason. I'm the reason you're <laughs> Whatever, here at my house man. right now. So like, no, because as an outside observer, I watched you take flack and I feel like you take flack like, in a way that is unnecessary. And it's only because there's very few people that are willing to leap as much as you're willing to leap. Because Nashville, at the end of the day, is a very conservative place. And maintaining a status quo, there's a certain economic bottom line that's you know benefited by people maintaining a status quo. And to take leaps in the midst of that is, is incredibly difficult but necessary if we're going to expand the genre and the culture of country music as we have. So I'm like, I know what I want to do with country music. This is me in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic, like, you know, trying to figure out like my next move as a journalist and country was it. I'm like, you know, if, if Bobby could survive ish, <laughs> it's, it's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Ish. In Nashville then I'm like, I could possibly be okay. Like, thinking the way I think and moving the way I want to move. So it's, it's, it's really heartening to hear you say that because it makes me feel like I'm doing something halfway right. Well, same. Well, a lot of respect for me and from this entire room. And you guys follow, if anything, just for the fashion influence, Marcus K. Dowling. Just look at the – I don't even know how you have – because I bet you that I've given you a clothing budget at no, the Tennessee. No, not at they? all. Not at all. So like, this is all like this – is, this is a mix of like getting like a pandemic check and not – and not spending it smartly. Um, <laughs> this is a mix of like doing a lot of TV writing during the pandemic and doing a lot of like work that required me to like just sit around and stare at walls. Like, I mean, I've, I've done stuff for A and E networks and CMT, Viacom, DC government, whatever. So like, I wore a lot of hats. And again, like at the beginning of the pandemic, I thought we would never go outside again. So I just started stockpiling clothes because on instagram and on the internet like people were just like selling things at like ridiculous discounts so like this shirt is from this place called halls and curtis and they had these deals that were like four shirts for 150 dollars 
and I love Elvis, and I couldn't find high-collar Elvis shirts anywhere on the internet. And then I found this one place in Great Britain that had high-collar Elvis shirts, and I'm like, they have an amazing deal. Wow. I'm going to buy a bunch of them. And then they, sit in my, and they sat in my closet for a year. And then once we started getting out into the world, and I'm like, wait, like going out into the world is not going to be like a celebration? We're just going to have to go out every day like we used to? And I'm looking at my closet like, well, this is all I really have at this point. <laughs> like I knew that like when COVID happened, I'm like, this is the end of the world. This is the end of times. This is like the, the terrible end of, you know, like our like capitalistic, like, you know, nightmare, whatever scenario we're in. No, no, we're just going to kind of go back to things. And I'm like, I have this whole closet, so I gotta, I gotta, I have to well, put these clothes legit. on at some point. Yeah, yeah, that's legit. You got a thing. Were you not the thing before pandemic? Like no, you are now? I was just no, not really. Like I was. <sighs> Country music made it all made sense. Um, all the pieces were there. Like anybody who knew me, like all of the pieces that kind of came together in this space were all there. They just didn't have any commonality, like. I can't wear collared shirts in EDM spaces. Not when I'm like at, you know, like underground raves in Washington, D.C. at three o'clock in the morning. Like wearing this shirt, is, I'm going to ruin this shirt. <laughs> so wearing a T-shirt is definitely ideal. Like wearing like bootcut jeans in the middle of the North, like doing whatever I'm doing in hip hop and R&B, I'm going to get laughed out of the room. Like that's just going to happen. So, like, you know, like, eventually coming to the country, like, it just kind of, like, people don't understand. Like, this is not a professional move or not some kind of, like, sociopolitical thing that I'm trying to do because it's the wave and so cool, whatever, whatever. It's like, no, this is actually just weirdly how I view the world works for me best in this space. Like, anybody who knows me will tell you my... My ideal form of life exists between 1975 and 1983. There are some of the most golden eras in global history. The music sounds great. The fashion is amazing. The, the culture is incredible. Like there's freedom and, and social movement and the ability to be like, you know, a free thinker and to do things differently existed then. And I live there. Always have, always will. So like when country allows you to do this every day and nobody blinks an eye, why wouldn't I, <laughs> you know, like, why would I? And then it's like, it falls into a thing where I could do it for every day for the rest of my life. Like, oh, oh, okay. You don't have to, you don't have to ask me twice, you know, like you don't. Well, follow Marcus. Thank Marcus you. Marcus K. Dowling. It's amazing. It's amazing. Every day I'm like, well, got to put a comment on that. You look great. Send. It's one after the other. It's all comments of me going, you look wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Looking good. Thank you. Yeah. Sincerely. Like, ha- I, have you watched the rehearsal yet on HBO Max? You know yes. That, you know, yes. You have? Yeah. Wait. What do you think about it? It's good. Isn't it? Good. Cr- yeah, isn't it's great. It? I love it. Like, I, um, I started watching it last week. I mean, I wa- when I watched the first episode, I was jealous of what Nathan had done. Yeah. Because I went, I mean, you're five layers deeper than I've ever been. And it's one of those where it's just an appreciation of... Mm-hmm. And it's for those that don't know what it is. It's called the Mike. You watched the rehearsal yet? I haven't started yet. No. No, you, you should. <laughs> I thought it was. I honestly thought it was a scripted show at first. I was yeah. like, Oh, Nathan, Nathan, for you guys doing a scripted show? It ain't. No. He gets with people who are about to make big life decisions, and he rehearses it with them. Yeah. And it's so. It's so much. Deep. 
it's it, it's, it's crazy as a as a person who like you know like mixes psychology with everything i do like i'm just like yeah this is this is beautiful i was like, sitting next to my wife and i was like i can't believe you did that that's amazing she was like Mm, shut up! I was like, "All right, sorry, <laughs> sorry." She goes, "Just let's just watch the show." It's that it's, it's that it's that fact when people who who get around us who don't like approach this at the layer that we have to approach it at. Like I always tell people that, like, yeah, you look at things molecularly, but like I live with the molecule. So it's like there's a layer that you just you could never imagine exists that exists. I think she also wanted me to shut up and just stop yelling. I think uh, if I'd have been doing that on a lower <laughs> volume level too, it'd probably been okay. You're probably not yeah, wrong. Probably. You're probably not wrong. Marcus, good to see you. Buckets of admiration. I hand them all to you now. And Same to you. Follow Marcus. Follow his work. Subscribe to the Tennessean. Yeah. Um, all the things that he. Oh, he's handing me three dollars. Okay, and also tell him he's no. Nah, you're not handing me the money. I'm just kidding. Yeah, and I'll, I'll tell you. I have a, I have a, a podcast coming with the paper. You do. Uh, it's called the Tradition. Uh, myself and LeBron Hill. He's an award-winning uh, opinion writer. Is the feed up yet to subscribe to, or we it just will, say it as a pre-announcement? It is a it is a pre-announcement. Uh, it is forthcoming. We are six episodes in. There's an episode with Low Cash. There's an episode with Wendy Moten. There's one with uh, Walker Hayes, Blanco Brown, uh, Leslie Fram. It's awesome. Uh, it's gonna be it's 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 gonna be a fun time. I have an episode where I talk about my love of Teddy Pendergrass. And how he could have been a country star, like it's 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 really been a. When is that a, happening? It should be up within a month. Oh really? Like, yeah. So like, by the time this is out, like it'll you'll you'll come back to it and it'll be out. So. Well, if you ever am like, we'd like to really scrape. I volunteer. I don't do a lot of podcasts that aren't my own, but I'd be happy to come. Okay, thank you. If you ever if you find a different reason. No, I'm a thousand percent having you on. That's, okay. That just goes without saying. Wow. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, it's good to see you, buddy. Good brother. Same here. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots. And Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store. Have a complimentary drink. Shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. Tacovas.com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.